0: This paid podcast is produced by Slate Studios in partnership with Dairy Pure.
1: What's the best way to make a new friend?
0: Just go up to somebody and maybe compliment them or ask how they are. Say hello and start small talk. Like, how old are you or what do you like to play?
1: What's it like trying to make friends as a grown
2: As a dad, it's a different experience. Um, understandably, moms um, congregate around each other more openly. Um, so, I've also learned that playdates are more of a match of the parents than they are of the children sometimes.
0: I'm kind of a wallflower myself and have a hard time making new friends. And my daughter, she'll go talk to anyone. She started school this year and, and she would come home and like, make a friend and like, what's her name? I don't know, but they're friendly and we talk and we have lunch. And I'm like, yeah, I should do that. I should just talk to someone. <laughs>
1: From Slate Studios and Dairy Pure, this is How to Raise a Parent, a podcast all about the surprising life skills our children can teach us. I'm Mallory Kasdan. On this show, we're finding a way to shed the self-conscious skin we acquire as grown-ups. She's showing me that she can take that next step, then I can too. And learn from the pure, unadulterated moments our kids experience.
2: Ultimately, they're now reminding us that friendships are basic and pure and should form around a common a common interest and grow through trust.
1: I talk to real parents who want to embrace the innocence of childhood. They're ready to ditch their grown-up baggage on the journey to being braver, more creative, and more compassionate. And we'll get concrete answers about how to do it from a team of experts. Children are very good at getting joy out of things um, in a way that adults kind of aren't, because we're like, well, you know, maybe I'll do this, and it might work out, and it might not work out, and I'm not going to have fun. And if you can just kinda of be in the moment and go for it, that might make it easier. Pure, honest, unadulterated. Welcome to How to Raise a Parent. On today's show, we're exploring friendship from a kid's eye view. Have you ever seen your kid walk up to a child they've never met before on the playground? Next thing you know, they're spending the day in the sandbox constructing elaborate landscapes and making up stories and making each other laugh like old friends. It's amazing, right? Little kids seem hardwired to create these instant, vibrant friendships. But for a lot of us, by the time we become grown-ups, making friends doesn't come so easily. We know how important it is to have support from friends in all stages of life, but our busy lives bring a lot of complexity. And that's why I wanted to talk to our first guest today.
0: My name is Karen Johnson. I'm a mom of three, stay-at-home mom/work-athome mom slash work-at-home mom. Um, I'm a writer uh, known on social media as the 21st century
1: stay-at-home mom. And I write about all things parenthood. Karen lives outside Milwaukee. And she had a career she loved as a high school English teacher. She taught for seven years before she had her first child. That was 10 years ago. Karen never returned to teaching. But three kids later... She's an incredibly productive stay-at-home and work-at-home mom. I wanted to talk to Karen because her children have these really distinct personalities, and she's always learning from their radically different approaches to friendship. I started out by asking her to tell me about her kids. I have a son
0: who's 10, a daughter who's 8, and another son who's 6.
1: My firstborn
0: is, from what I've learned, um, I have a lot of nieces and nephews and friends uh, talking to friends. Um, He's typical firstborn, very careful, conscientious. He's kind of a natural leader, uh, very responsible, not rough and tumble. Um, he, from the time he was a toddler, would just sit in the corner and read. Loves computers, loves Legos, and then I have uh, an eight-year-old daughter who's very much like most eight-year-old little girls that I know at this age. Uh, loves, you know, crafts and cartwheels, and uh, she's just very kind. Um, She's probably one of the kindest children I know. She wants everybody to get along. She's kind of the peacemaker between my boys. And then I have a crazy little six-year-old boy who's making me feel like a new parent on a daily basis. He's nothing like his siblings. He's um, a rule breaker. He's the kid who will jump off the table, um, sneaks candy. He's just, he's hilarious and keeps us on our toes. And Uh, He's a fun
1: dynamic in our family. Wow, that's great. That's a lot. That sounds so fun. Yeah. And what have you noticed about the ways that they each approach friendships, making friends, keeping friends?
0: Well, my oldest son has always been a little bit more, I'm not sure if he's introverted um, because he's actually very social. He's very confident he'll go up to a a group of kids he doesn't know and, and make friends, but he doesn't need A giant group of friends. He's very specific in what he likes. Um, He really wants to be friends with somebody who will want to do board games, who will want to do magic tricks, who will want to do math for fun. And that's just who he is. And so he's always just been the kid who has like two kids at a birthday party and we go to Legoland or something. So he's just a little bit more, uh, he keeps his circle smaller. My daughter is. Her circle's bigger, but her gravitational pull when it comes to friendships is um, she wants to be friends with anybody who's kind. She doesn't like conflict. Um, She doesn't like mean girl stuff. She's very big on, I want everybody to get along. I want everybody to be kind. Um, Everything is fair in her world. And so that's her little circle of friends. And that's sort of what they and she tends to focus on. And my six-year-old is best friends with everybody. I mean, he will meet you one time three months ago, and see you again and say, that's my best friend. Everybody's his best friend. He invited the whole class to his birthday party. He's very social. Everybody knows him when we're out in public. Everybody says hi to him. And so that's sort of the way he
1: approaches friendship. So what's one thing from each child that you'd like to adopt in how you approach your adult friendships?
0: My oldest child definitely inspires me to be true to myself. Um, I think even as an adult, it's still hard when you realize that someone doesn't really like you. And maybe you didn't do anything wrong. You're just not that person's cup of tea. And he is very true to who he is. He doesn't really love to play football on recess. And if all the boys are playing football, he's very much like, okay, I'm going to go over there and do what I want to do. And I really admire that courage and that strength. And so he inspires me to kind of realize at 39 years old that I can be true to who I am and I don't have to change for other people. And I'll still have a few good friends who love me for me. My daughter, again, just inspires me to be kind. Um, there's still cattiness and mean girl stuff as an adult. As a grown woman, I see it all the time. And um, she's very forgiving. She's very loving. Um, she does definitely tries to surround herself with people who are kind and try to help others. And so uh, if I sense that there's some gossip or cattiness or negativity in um, a circle that I'm a part of, I think of her and she sort of inspires me to do better and to try to seek out people who would also like to do better. And my little guy just continues to inspire me to just have confidence and know that You can walk into a room where you don't know anybody and just say, hey, I'm here, and have fun getting to know people. He doesn't have any reservations about it. He doesn't feel insecure. He'll go up to a bunch of kids who are older than he is and feel very comfortable saying, hey, what are we playing? Um, And so he sort of inspires me to be able to have that courage when I'm in a new situation.
1: And what do you feel that you've taught them about friendship? Like on the reverse side, how are you informing them as they grow into friendships?
0: Well, so my oldest son is going into fifth grade. um, And so we have started to notice some changes in him. He's trying to navigate that. I want to be cool, but I also want to be who I am path. And so we also, as much as we've said, be true to who, you're, who you are, don't feel like you have to change for other people. We've also pushed him a little bit to try new things. Um, we moved to a new school district uh, a year and a half ago, and you know, he came in in third grade and didn't click with most of the kids right away, and so we pushed him a little bit. You Maybe go play kickball one recess, even if you don't want to. You don't have to permanently change who you are, but you have to be kind of willing to bend a little bit so that you can make some bridges. And so we've we've pushed him in that way.
1: I know you've written a lot about how it can be hard for moms to make friends when you've moved to a new town like you have. Can you tell me about the struggles you had with creating new adult friendships?
0: When we moved to our new school district, something happened I hadn't really anticipated. I remember picking my son up from preschool and all of a sudden I found that all the moms had a circle to chat with at pickup, and I really didn't know how to break into any of the circles and, and sort of, you know, make friends with these moms. And I realized that I had been in the same school district for so long before that I just, naturally had people to chat with and, oh, how does this work? And, oh, what do we know about the field trip? And, you know, and you just kind of, I had already that network set up. And I thought about, gosh, how many times was I standing at my old school chatting with moms and there was a new mom off on the side with no one to talk to. And I didn't even probably notice her because I was not being unkind, just oblivious. So I'm standing there at our new school and realizing that I just I don't have any, I don't know how to even approach any of these women. And I tried to kind of make small talk with one just to kind of break in and, and she kind of turned her back and didn't really give me the time of the day. And, you know, looking back, I don't really know if it was intentional or if she just wasn't interested in making any new friends that day, but it was, it gave me a little bit of a glimpse into what my kids were going through at school those first few days and first few weeks. I was worried about them, but I never really thought about it for myself so eventually, over time, I you know volunteered in the kids' school and stood around there, pick up enough times where I started to chat with people. And now we've networked and made a pretty good group of friends. But uh, yeah, it definitely was a, a big, ex- it was quite an experience for me to go through this uh, for the first time as a grown up in many, many years.
1: Right, and you realize, I, I mean, I think, because I've had experiences like that, less now that my kids are older, You don't really always think about what another person might be going through in in their day, Mm -hmm. but it does feel personal. And sometimes it's just hard to figure out, right? And it's like you could kind of tell your kids that, like, you know, even though this is a weird thing or maybe you don't like this camp or maybe you're having Mm -hmm. difficulty with a friend in in class, like, everyone's going through things and we just Mm -hmm. do our best to be kind. I find it sometimes really useful to look at some of these social interactions that our kids have and trying to apply it to my own self. You can make a lot of stuff happen in your head in terms of what you might think is going on with somebody.
0: If we talk about a child who's being unkind or kind of did that, turned their back to them or kind of didn't include them, we've talked about, I know that hurts your feelings, but there could be a lot of reasons why that's happening. Um, And sometimes kids are just mean, but sometimes it's a child may be going through something we don't even know about, just like that mom could have been. I mean, who knows? And we've talked about bullying and how bullying usually comes from a place of pain inside that child. You know, if you're going to mistreat others intentionally, oftentimes you are feeling mistreated in some way. And so we really need to stand up for ourselves, but also have a little bit of compassion and empathy. And and, and that's a tricky one to navigate as well.
1: Yeah. So beyond friendship, what else, what else are you learning from your kids?
0: They've taught me a lot about parenting and how so much of it is letting them be who they want to be, pushing them to also try new things and expand who they are. But then there's just this inner desire. I mean, my oldest, his number one loves are books and computers. And so, you know, he will play sports and he will do other things, but that's not what he wakes up. That's not the first thought in his mind when he wakes up. They've taught me a lot about sort of, you know, how as a mom, I have to make sure that their loves and their desires and their interests and their passions are validated and then also say, okay, I know you love that one thing, but we're also going to do some other things.
1: So how does it feel to be thinking about parenting as this two-way street, looking at how your kids could actually be raising you?
0: I just love this conversation. I think the idea of relationships and friendships is a really tricky one. Um, and as parents, we have to grow with our kid. It's such an interesting process, and I think it really helped me have to go through it as the new girl, as a new mom, in my 30s to have a little bit more empathy with my kids from what they were going through. So I'm actually kind of grateful for that. Karen, thank you so much for joining
1: me today on How to Raise a Parent. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it. In a minute, we'll hear from a clinical psychologist who can tell us why
2: making friendships can be challenging at any age. So we don't want to just say, well, kids have it all figured out. It's so easy for them. It's definitely not. But on the other hand, I do think that children understand some things that maybe we adults forget. That's ahead on How to Raise a Parent. Stay with us.
1: How to Raise a Parent is sponsored by Dairy Pure. Dairy Pure believes the world would be a better place if we reconnected with what's pure and innocent in ourselves and each other. And that's really what this podcast is about, shifting our perspective as parents so we can learn from the moments of purity we see in our kids. It's gotten me thinking back to my own childhood. So much has changed since then, but I remember feeling the same insatiable curiosity that my daughter Zoe and my son Miles have today, like how they're always exploring new topics. I did not know that there was a word that is two A's and it means volcanic lava. Did you know that, by the way? I found that out the other day. It's really cool. So Miles, if you're curious about something or if you have a question about something specific, what do you do? I Google it. Guys, when I was growing up, we didn't have computers at home, let alone Google. If we were interested in something, we went to the library and we looked it up. That's how we found information. In fact, I think I was around your age, Zoe, when my parents bought a set of encyclopedias. I'm pretty sure they even bought them from a door-to-door salesman.
2: What?
1: <laughs> I loved looking through encyclopedias. They had these beautiful, shiny, colored pages, and they covered every topic I could imagine. I would pick up Volume F and read about things like France, frogs, flags. It was fun. That sounds pretty cool. Sometimes Miles will like harass me because he's like, "Zoe, Zoe, I don't know this about thunderstorms." <laughs> Hearing you guys talk about all the fascinating things you're learning and looking up reminds me how fun it can be to explore. Maybe we should go to the library this weekend and pick out a book about something we've never even heard of. Sharing childhood stories with my kids is one of the ways my family creates special moments of pure joy and connection. For more stories like these, and more episodes of How to Raise a Parent, head to slate.com slash to Now, Back to the show. Before the break, we heard from Karen Johnson, a mom who's found inspiration in the way her three very different children navigate friendship. I wanted to get an expert's take on this, so I called Dr. Eileen Kennedy-Moore. She's a clinical psychologist working with adults, children, and families based in Princeton, New Jersey. Her approach is informed by research, and anchored by real-life experience. She's also the author of several books focused around the social and emotional health of families, including Growing Friendships, A Kid's Guide to Making and Keeping Friends. Dr. Kennedy Moore, welcome to How to Raise a Parent. Hi, Mallory. Thanks for having me on the show. So, in this episode, we're looking at what parents can learn from their children when it comes to friendships. So, what are some examples of social and emotional gifts that children have?
2: Well, I think we want to be careful about idealizing children. Because as adults, we tend to think, ah, childhood is this carefree time of life. But really, relationships are complicated at every age. We have to learn to understand other people. We need to adjust our behavior to get along with other people. And there are ups and downs in any relationship. So we don't want to just say, well, kids have it all figured out. It's so easy for them. It's definitely not. But on the other hand, I do think that children understand some things that maybe we adults forget. And the first thing that they understand is how important friendship is. If you've heard your kids nagging for a play date or whining, can I have this one over? Or can I go over to that one's house? You know there's an urgency there to get together with friends. But we adults too often... Let our friendship slide because we're just so busy with work and family and maybe volunteer obligations. And we don't prioritize friendship the way that kids do. So that's something that we can definitely learn from our kids. The
1: urgency or the importance of sort of having contact, human contact. For kids,
2: friendship is central to their life. And in fact, it's impossible to overstate how important friendship is for kids. Another thing that I think kids understand and adults maybe forget is to be open to friendship. Have you ever had a situation where your kid's at the playground and he says, this is my new friend, and you say, "Um, oh, that's great. What's his name? He goes, I don't know. (laughs) So kids, um, whereas we adults, you know, when's the last time you made a new friend? we tend to get in our ruts. We see the people we see in our neighborhood, or maybe we had this friend for a long time, so we keep getting together with them. And there is a value to maintaining those friendships from a long time ago. But we also want to be, like our kids, open to meeting new people.
1: Right. I agree with that. Yeah. Openness is key. So adults can adopt that openness and they can adopt that sort of fluidity, I guess you could say that, you
2: know, you might, you might meet a friend anywhere you have, there's opportunity, (laughs) but we have to be open to that and we have to signal the openness. So um, we have to be smiling at people. We have to be curious about other people and willing to build those relationships. If we're just, if we just narrow our focus to I'm busy, I got to get stuff done. I don't have time for anybody else. We're kind of closing ourselves off to new relationships. Another thing that I think kids understand very well is that we make friends by doing fun things together. So that's fundamentally how we build the relationships. And that takes time. And it takes a willingness to play. Too often we adults forget that in our to-do list, task-oriented focus.
1: So often we see kids on the playground who can instantly make friends for the day. Like you said, this is my new friend. What's their name? I don't <laughs> know. As parents, as adults, what's one way that we can recapture that? I mean, you mentioned sort of just openness, but is there anything more specific that you can think of that might remind us of, of that sort of childlike lack of complication?
2: So our children can lead the way here. Um, When my guys were little, we used to have these family game nights. So I would invite another family over after dinner so I didn't even have to make a meal and uh, because I wanted it to be a low effort, just fun, kind of spontaneous thing. And we would play a game together with the two families, something lively, something with not a lot of waiting around. Often we did Kids Against the Grown Ups, which is just delicious for children because if they win, woohoo. And if they lose, well, that's okay. They're grownups anyway. Um, So that's really fun. And it kind of bonded the kids. And then uh, then we would have some kind of dessert or fruit or something. And then the kids would separate and the adults would chat. And that was a really nice way for us to connect with another family. And it fanned the flames on uh, my kids' friendships. And it, it also was an opportunity for my husband and me to connect with other adults.
1: I read a study out of the University of Kansas that it takes 50 hours to make a casual friend. That's a lot of time to get to know somebody and decide how that's going as an adult, right? As a kid, you would know, I think, (laughs) before the 50 hours, or perhaps not. You'd have to give it that much time.
2: What do you think about that number? So the fifty hours—that same study found that it was fifty hours for the casual friend, but I believe it was seventy-five hours for a good friend and ninety hours for an intimate friend. So yes, it takes a lot of time investment to make that intimate kind of friendship. So kids haven't been around that long, so no, they don't. <laughs> it doesn't take them that long to make a friend, and they, and they will, you know, just if they had fun together with the kid that day, they'll they'll call him a friend. Some of that is because we adults have more baggage, people who've let us down or betrayed us or disappointed us. So we're more cautious in allowing ourselves to be open to to somebody new. And I think that that's one of the reasons for the 50 to 90 hours for us adults. But I I think another way to think about this is that for both kids and adults, we can have many different kinds of friends. So a kid could have the bus stop friend or the music class friend or the neighbor who nobody else is around but I can play with him friend. Um, (laughs) And all of these friendships have value. Some kids feel very bad that they don't have a best friend. And what I say to kids in my practice who complain about that is, you get maybe three of those soulmate friends in your whole life, and and I completely made up that number, <laughs> but but it's not very many. It's not very many. Right. But right. in the meantime, we can have all these other kinds of friends, and maybe over time with more shared experiences and enjoying each other's companies, those friendships might deepen into a more intimate friendship, or maybe they just stay the way they are, and they're still fun, and they're still valuable, and that's okay, too.
1: Are there some other strategies that you can think of that adults can use to nurture new friendships
2: and relationships? Friendships deepen when we take them from one context into another. So maybe you have somebody at work who, you know, you've got good chemistry with and you you laugh together and, and you like that person's ideas why not invite them to go to the gym with you? Why not get together for coffee or for dinner someday after work? Too often, both kids and adults will say, oh, I can't invite them over because we don't know each other that well. If you've had fun with each other once, that's good enough. You know, build on that, build on that. Um, For kids, have the play date. For adults, find a way that you can get together. Good friendships can enrich anybody's life, and it's nice to have more than one person because no one person can give us everything we want. So the different aspects of our lives can be shared with different people. Dr.
1: Kennedy Moore, thank you so much for our conversation today. My pleasure, Mallory. And that's it for today's show and this season of How to Raise a Parent from Dairy Pure. Be sure to check out all the episodes from this season and other fun surprises at slate.com slash how to raise a parent. I'm Mallory Kasdan. Thanks so much for
2: listening.